and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome to episode 315 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Jim, and you're going to have to deal with me all by my lonesome tonight because I ended up having scheduling conflicts with Clay. It was my fault, but I ended up having to record probably about 10 minutes before you're actually going to get this on the feed. It's late Thursday. We were supposed to record Wednesday. Wednesday night, I forgot that my son has a basketball game every Wednesday night. So me and Claire are going to have to figure things out. So because of that, you're going to have to listen to me go through the new Amazing Spider-Man number 69, Dude. Also, Heroes Reborn Heroes Return, Dude, number one, right, dude? And also Silk, number four, an issue that I hope uh, people ended up listening to my catch-up review show that came out the day before this uh where i did talk about silk number three so that we can all get into the mode to talk silk now another issue that i talked about in that catch-up show was captain marvel number 28 now why i didn't mention captain marvel number 29 is because it was picked by the badasses of the get fresh crew beep a boop to be part of this week's patreon only spotlight it will be joined by gamma flight number one one of the bigger issues that came out this week an al ewing joint as they say and to explain what that means i know i do every week but i kind of get through it pretty quick but to explain each week of all the books coming out there is a poll on our patreon at patreon.com slash weird science the upper levels get to vote to pick the two books that will be featured as a Patreon-only podcast on the Patreon. And so what they do is they look through and they're like, okay, what would drive Jim nuts? Well, you know, they have reasons and whatnot. But they did end up picking Gamma Flight number one and Captain Marvel number 29. Now, with all that said, next week is an annuals week. It is a fifth week, a fifth Wednesday of the month when those pop up. We end up having the show as a Patreon only. It only comes up every once in a while. So just to throw that out there, next week's podcast, I'm still going to do the catch-up show on the regular feed. You'll get that. But then once you get the main podcast, the one you're talking about now, and the Star Wars podcast that I do with my man Matt, those will be Patreon only. The way to listen to that is go over to the Patreon, again, patreon.com slash weirdscience. For as little as a dollar for the whole month to do that. But you won't even get charged a dollar right away. You can go the whole month. If you, if you come on in July, you won't get charged right away. You'll only get charged if you go into the next month, which would then either be if you join up now July or if you join up in July, August, you know, you get that. I think that that is pretty clear. And yeah, with that, though, as I said, we're going to have an expanded podcast. So with that I want to give a little shout out to the badasses, the Get Fresh crew. This is the roll call for them. And we're going to start off with Josh Murray from Not A Robot Podcast, Ted Probst, 
I Love Punchline, which should be here. Like, we should change it to something for this as, like, I Love Dan Slot, right? Forrest Polly, Optimus Prime, Cam, Joseph Wodzik, Matt Razor, who is on the Star Wars podcast with me, D-Men 3000, All New Dave, Lady Abby, Red, Matches Thalone, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Joey Bercasco, Stephen Baum, Tony O'Walton, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G, Ken Halleck, Comic Boom Rocky, Cellar Dweller, Mark Jager, Aldrin Stosian, Nick Adamsville, Beer from the Bat Pod, Ruben, Ruben, who unfortunately was on the X-Men shows with me, but not talking the X-Men at the moment. Carlos, Lone Wolf, Marv, Luke Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Dalton Eden, my man Pete from NYC, Sailor Moon, Mark, my man Rob Lewis, Brandy Murray, that's Brandon. Here's Brandon. Couldn't get a hold of him this week and get the coordination of schedules either. Double A Ron shout out and an all time shout out to my man Reggie, who is an all time great. And we don't ever forget Reggie. But yeah, so with all of this, I'll give you a little recap here. If you want to go and listen to me talk about Gamma Flight number one and or Captain Marvel number 29, that is on the Patreon spotlight. Next week, the regular show and the Star Wars show will be a Patreon only deal. And if you if you don't want to get involved with that, you just kind of say, well, I didn't get any podcasts this week. Jim's on vacation. He'll be back the next week. But, yeah, if you go over there, especially if you wait till July, wink, wink, you'll be able to go all through July for free. And if you don't end up liking what you hear, you can end up quitting before August 1st and you'll never be charged. But that's all for the commercials right now. We're going to go off. And, yeah, it's a shame because me and Clay were going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man and Heroes Reborn, Heroes Return. And I didn't even get a chance to ask him if he liked them or if he didn't, because I kind of thought that Amazing Spider-Man took a little step back. It took a little weird detour that didn't feel quite right, felt like things were a little more rushed, felt like maybe, you know, having two writers in, maybe Nick Spencer didn't do as much writing because the dialogue felt a little different. I'm not going to say it was awful. It just felt different. But all this is not actually a segue for the issue. It's actually a segue for our news because I'm going to go to the news right now. All right, and this is the news. My final answer and the big news. And we're only going to deal with one news item, but it's very big and very much, you know, in tune with what we're going to talk about tonight. What I already just did talk about. Nick Spencer will finish up his Spider-Man run this September. And that that's crazy, right? Uh, me and Clay, for the longest time, have been talking about, oh, man, the, the big thing will happen in 75. And as we got closer and closer to, you know, 75, and they're saying, well, there's not that much time left for that. I think it's 100 now. And and what we're saying mainly is what is going on with Kindred, with Harry, when you ended up having the end of the, the Sin Eater stuff and all that, when they actually did, you know, pretty much Norman and Kingpin end up trapping Harry in that dark prism. And he, at the last point, pretty much said to his father and Peter, you guys did something. 
You need to go and find that out. You need to make it right. Please, you know, it's killing me. It killed me, whatever. And you were waiting, and we're waiting for this. That's really big. Everybody thinks, oh, my God, this is going to be the deal of one more day. You know, all these things going down. And it, it never played out. And Nick Spencer, to, you know, to his fault, has a lot of stories going on and likes to leave things behind to get back and leave behind to get back. And this is a thing that, as as comic fans, uh, you know, if you're like me, you'd get mad about that because nothing is guaranteed. There, There's no guarantee you are going to get to do a book until you decide you want to leave. This is very much like Tom King. Tom King at DC with the Batman book kept saying about this 100-issue run, but DC never said that. That's what he said. Hey, I'm going to do this 100-issue run. Seemingly at first being a joke, just throwing it out there. And so when you end up getting kicked out at issue 85 for Tom King, you didn't get to finish your story. And then people get mad. Then you get a back cat book. Then that gets delayed and all that nonsense. But we're here at Marvel. So with that, though, like a Jason Aaron who seems to just like to throw out little stories and get back to him. We'll do this. We'll make this into an event and things like that. But overall, as a run, you start to get irritated, especially when it looks like maybe everything won't get tied up, won't end in a satisfactory way. Because this week, the issue that I'm going to go into right after this, number 69, dude, I, I get a kick out of saying that, so I'm sorry. But even right now, because we, we only have a handful of issues. Now everything is rushed. Things don't feel right. And it's a shame because like a lot of people, I I guess a lot of people like this run. A lot of people don't. I'm enjoying it. I'm actually enjoying it. It's not my favorite comic book of the week ever. It's not my favorite thing that I'm reading and can't, you know, we'll sit there 10 years from now and say, man, I, I kind of miss that Nick Spencer and Spider-Man. But each and every week, I think that the dialogue's pretty good. You can really tell, and it even said in this news item, you can really tell that Nick Spencer does have a great love for Spider-Man, especially Spider-Man lore, past Spider-Man things. And it's just a shame because now you're going to... And who do you blame? Do you blame him coming off the book if he got kicked up? But but isn't it kind of his fault for leaving things dangling for so long and then just seemingly having no focus and, and... pretty much ADD, where you're just going to keep adding and adding and adding until, you know, and not finishing up the things. But it's all going to end in September. Nick Spencer, and this is a news story from Newsarama. Nick Spencer will conclude his long run as the writer of Amazing Spider-Man this September in Amazing Spider-Man number 74, which is also another thing. And that's legacy number, I believe what they claim, like 875. Just let him do 25. I know 25 is a lot of issues. Just get to 100, right? Get to 100. And I don't know how they, these legacy numbers, they get out the abacus, look at the direction of the wind, maybe maybe say a prayer. I don't know. And then they come up with whatever number they want to. And what I, I want it to be like they actually have a guy who really figures it out. He's like, well, I believe because of the way things run and stupid, crazy things, this is actually issue number 833 and a quarter. And they're like, ah, yeah, go back to the lab there, mix up some things and tell me that it's 850, 875. Like, it, you never seemingly end with some wacko number, but in, in what Marvel Comics is calling the milestone 875th issue of the series, seems low, too. I, I, that's just me. Since taking over the title, the acclaimed writer has crafted a Spider Man saga for the ages. 
taking not only Peter Parker, but his beloved supporting cast and iconic rogues gallery on radical new journeys, reads Marvel's announcement. Again, when you have a guy who's going to be on 74 issues, like, yeah, you know, this run, kind of bullcrap some of it, but hey, it, it had some good things too, right? Hey, directly from Marvel. That'd be cool. I mean, that, that would that be refreshing or would people just lose their minds? I'm not sure. I guess maybe you wouldn't want to throw out shade if you're going to try to get some people to work. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not cut out to be in the quote-unquote business world. I am not business savvy, as they say. I'm not a strong swimmer. Since And, and so Amazing Spider-Man number 74 will be 80 pages and will be drawn by some of the artists who work with Spencer on his three-year run, including Patrick Gleason, Mark Bagley, and Marcelo. Ferreira. And I, I think as a, a general deal, this book always looked good. Amazing Spider-Man number 74 will be both an ending and a beginning, according to Marvel. It's it's almost like semi-sonic singing closing time. Right? Isn't that everybody's beginning is somebody's beginning's end or something like that? I mean, they were wacko, those guys. Oh, man, semi-sonic. Ooh, Culminating Spencer's run with the character while also setting up hit for his successors with, quote, surprising developments that will launch Peter Parker into his next high-flying era, unquote. This finale isn't until September with loads of issues from next week's Amazing Spider-Man number 69 as part of the Chameleon Conspiracy uh, and the upcoming Sinister War arc in the tie-in limited series also by Spencer. And then on to the Amazing Spider-Man 74 finale, which will be called What Cost... Victory. What cost victory? You, you could say that a lot of different ways, I guess, maybe. Amazing Spider-Man number 74 actually goes on sale officially on September 22nd. Now, with that, it he also ended up where a story came out right after this that most of the issues that remain until we get to that number, they're, they're delayed. So it's like, hey, we got to get this done. All right, it was good. It's like one of those things where I, Nick Spencer's like, you, you're going to fire me. I don't know if he was fired. It would be funny. He's like, you're going to fire me. Oh, by the way, that issue isn't going to be ready on time. They're like, oh, well, what about, you know, number 73? Yeah, that's going to that's gonna be late, too. And he's saying to somebody, they can't fire me until I finish 74. Delayed, right? You just keep going. You maintain your job, yeah, right? You just take every – it's like a filibuster – but in comic book form. Oh my, that is about as political as I am ever going to get. Plus, I like saying filibuster. It's pretty cool. It sounds like it'd be some like big gun in like Quake or something back in the day. Hey, I got the filibuster. But yeah, that is it for the news. <laughs> there you go. There you go with the news. But with that, it, it kind of has the theme because we're going to go off now and talk about Amazing Spider-Man number 69. Do. All right, and this is Amazing Spider-Man number 69, The Chameleon Conspiracy Part 3, dude. It's written by Nick Spencer and Ed Abrison with pencils by Z. Carlos, Carlos Gomez, Armacello Ferreira, inks by Z. Carlos, Carlos Gomez and Wayne Foucher, colors by Andrew Crosley and Maury Hollowell, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. So you end up having Ed Brisson here. We have three artists. Something has happened here. Something is going a little bit off. And before I get into the recap, this book, this issue, there's a pacing issue. There is a transition issue. There are dialogue issues. It just doesn't feel 
liked the books that I've been reading here in this run by Nick Spencer. There's something off. And I'm saying off. I'm not necessarily saying that it's bad. And, and yeah, I'm pointing towards the idea that Ed Brisson is writing with this. I like Ed Brisson. It's just that when you read a book for this many issues, you get used to a pacing, a dialogue, a characterization. And whether or not bad, good, or indifferent, we're still in this run till September, and suddenly things felt off this issue. And it really pointed out, especially when I get into this recap, that this chameleon conspiracy, at the best, it's setting up some Sinister War stuff. But at the worst, it's just tying up loose ends. You have Nick Spencer realizing that his run is coming to an end in a couple months. He's got a lot of loose ends. That's one of the things that if you are going to criticize this run, it's going to be that. He leaves things behind forever and then gets back to them as if it was just yesterday without much to kind of lead you into it. Like this whole run almost feels like how it's played sometimes that it takes place on a hot weekend. Because things that we haven't seen for a year and a half just pop up as if it's fresh on our minds and the way that's just how he plays it. But there is, like I said, a dialogue, a progression, a transit, and it's off on this. And and there's like there's weird jokes. And I I think that that's Ed Brisson kind of going in and it it just it threw me off. It, It really threw me off. But here is the recap page here. Teresa Parker, Peter's super spy sister, has found herself face-to-face with the man who killed their parents, the finisher. The chameleon arranged the meeting, but neither Parker knows why. Peter's too busy to even wonder why, studying under the Lizard Empire State University, which we haven't got much of. Peter's friend, Jamie Tolentino's grad school project is a predictive machine called the clairvoyance, something that disappeared for a long time, and then you ended up having this. This is what I'm talking about, these loose ends. Uh, Jamie's uh, gambled with the device using the winnings to help his ailing mother. However, flying casino owner Chance and his partner, the foreigner, want the device and a power source called the Catalyst, and they blackmail Jamie to help steal both. Meanwhile, Peter's friend Betty Brand is pregnant. The father is former Daily Bugle reporter Ned Leeds, who everyone thought dead at the hands of the foreigner. But Ned just revealed that some goblin serum he took saved his life and e ever since. He's been investigating his killer and just discovered that Farner's next target is Jamie. So it's up to Spidey to stop the Farner and his ne'er-do-wells. So you end up here. I don't know that a lot of people are really concerned about Teresa, you know, yelling at the finisher who then kind of says, hey, don't you want to know what you're all about, too? And then also finding out that at one point, He was left for dead. The chameleon ends up nursing him in. He ends up having, you know, he, the finisher has issues with the foreigner, with this, that, you know, Ned Leeds has issues with the the foreigner as well. Like all these things are kind of swirling and tying in together. But overall, I don't find anything with the finisher or especially the chameleon. This is his conspiracy, right? Not even interested in that. I just, and it's weird too, because the idea of tying in things or whatever, and then, I'm kind of like, I think most people waiting for the Sinister War. And even then, when you end up getting this announcement that Nick Spencer's off the book in September, it kind of does give this, like, you know, the dark clouds set in here. And it's a little kind of depressing uh, of going and, and reading this now, knowing that the big things I'm seemingly not going to get, but uh, I'm going to go through this issue with you and we'll, we'll critique it and things like that. Because then you just go off to Spidey and he's fighting. 
you know, Chance, the Foreigner, Slide, a Jack-O-Lantern. He's, he's going through this big fight, and it looks better than how it plays out. Again, it's a disjointed fight. You get these things, and Spidey ends up, and he's fighting Jack-O-Lantern, and then he just keeps repeating himself, don't make a Smashing Pumpkins joke. Don't That felt so much like somebody trying to get, like, street cred with the kids, <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins. Seriously, I love the Smashing Pumpkins, but it's a little outdated there. But even then, that didn't feel like anything we usually get from this book. I really think that that's an adversity deal. I can't, I can't say that it is or isn't, but it just felt like it. Also, the, the narration was longer. You know, I'm talking about like the inner monologue narration. It seemed longer. It seemed a little more pronounced. Just little things kind of kind of bug me but with that spidey's there to try to save jamie who ends up kind of turning on him in front of his you know his cool villain friends then and ends up zapping spidey doesn't seemingly want to do it but he does that ends up letting all these bad guys get away because when peter does wake up he ends up with the lizard there going hey by the way when you passed out you know when you were real vulnerable and and these guys could have taken care of you they, they absconded they they laughed they left you there laying in the yard, right? I, I don't know why, but they did. Uh, even then, you end up having, like I said earlier, the kind of, you know, talk about what happened to the finisher, how he was saved by the chameleon, his prize pupil, and what that ended up being, showing this connection of those two. But then we just fly off, and, and we fly off to go see Betty and Ned. Ned's saying, I'm never going to leave. This is going to be what we dreamed of. Oh, oh, until Spider-Man comes and says, hey, by the way, you ever hear the foreigner? I think that he's involved in this thing. The foreigner? Sorry, Betty, I got to go. And she's like, really? You just promised you were going to stay. Nope. If, you know, and it's the whole thing that they have, Jamie, if Peter's friends in need, then I'm there indeed. And he's going to go off. And then we go back to Teresa, the finisher and the chameleon, and, and nothing with that really, really happens except that you get, yeah, he's up to something. The finisher is pouring drinks like it's a Tuesday morning in Buffalo. I mean, really, he is letting it go as if he's celebrating something, as if he's waiting for something to happen that he is going to be very happy about. And on the screen, you end up seeing the flying casino of chance and the foreigner. So we go there where. They have run off. They end up knocking out Peter, getting both Catalyst and the Clairvoyant. And they're going to explain it a little. And I don't mind this because I said, I, I explained it to Clay, who hadn't read that part, that story. And I thought that they should have explained it even more. And they do it full out here. It is a deal where, and I always thought it was funny because y you have a comic book. You can play with it. I mean, you're making the stuff up, but you make a device that's 89 to 90% likely to be right it is a future telling device but how it does that is it runs the scenarios in the multiverse it ends up well if i i want to see and it's funny to me i don't know why that when i think of the multiverse i do think of different you know earths like and it's dc thing you know earth three and this and all these earths that have different deals so the idea i want to see if the patriots win this week i run it through well what, do all the multiverses have a Patriots? Do they all have it in, in one of them? Is Brady still on there? Because that's going to change the chances, right? See, you have this, but it's more like 
diverging timelines in my mind that they're all the same. But again, you end up running the scenarios and you can get a 90% bit of accuracy, which, you know, that's that's good. I mean, especially, I mean, if you're there and you're laying it down, uh, you know, hey, my mom's life, y- you might not want to get that extra 10, 11% chance of death. Um, but if you're just betting, I mean, if you go with the idea, and I'm talking big betting, which you would have the foreigner and even chance do, I mean, you're betting so much money at different times that the odds do end up working out right. You're going to win 90% of the time. And you're going to get big bucks. You end up having chance who thinks it's the greatest. Like, let's ask it a question and then see if it knows what my question was. And the foreigner's so annoyed. Wait, your question is asking it the question. Like, you're, you're stupid. What, what are you doing? And almost showing that a little narrow minded of what this device really could and should do. But the problem is that this almost even feels like. It is, you know, a bit of a uh, a dupe because you end up having a bunch of things going on. The foreigners all going, what's going on? I thought you guys were with me or whatever. No, no, no. Everybody there is, you know, pretty much on the take from the finisher. So the finisher is now just destroying the whole casino and probably then taking the clairvoyant deal with that. And you go back to that. They're all excited. But then basically it's just like, hey, uh, don't you want to know what you are and what's going on there, Teresa? We're going to discuss the truth about you. And we see a bunch of what looks like these chameleon clones type deal. Um, it's okay. It just felt weird. It just felt rushed. It felt like it, it felt like it was like two different issues pasted together. Let's get the big scenes from these and just shove them together, whether they fit organically or not. And overall, not that interesting of things that we're getting to do with. Oh my God, the finisher has gotten people to, you know, take over things from the foreigner. Oh my goodness, who who will ever believe that? Oh my God, Peter gets knocked out and then he wakes up and then goes and gets Ned to get like you're waiting for something to happen here. You're waiting for Teresa to start guns a blazing or or a big revelation. You're waiting for Peter to you know realize hey jamie's bad to the bone and i'm gonna just destroy this like it it just everything's set up and uh, nick spencer's gonna have to do that because he is tying in a lot of things and a lot of things that people aren't gonna be aware of anymore because he's taken too long so it's yeah it's it's pretty much like the sins of the father have come back to get him here but hopefully if the end result is to get through this i I almost want to say chameleon conspiracy with with air quotes because this hasn't been much of anything. And uh, the chameleon, the conspiracy is this guy's sitting on his butt doing nothing. There's the conspiracy. Uh, but if this is all played out, and this kind of happened before, you know, with the Sin Eater. He showed up. It took a little to get into. Then when we hit the main story, that setup did pay off then. And I hope that that's the case here. That these things, yeah, we might be kind of meandering through these and kind of, it's a bit of a slug. But when we get to, you know, the big deal, you know, the Sinister War and stuff like that, then it's going to pay off and it's going to be good. And we do get a backup with the Sinister War deal. You have Doc Ock, he's doing his things and pretty much hits a button and there is Electro. So it's just, again, adding another one to the six he's going to have in this whole deal. And it says Sinister War is imminent. I would hope so. 
Uh, and I, I do, I kind of, I don't know. I'm getting a kick out of these backups. They're not meant to be anything. Like this isn't that these are pushed by anybody. It's oh my god, the the backup is supposed to be this or that or so big or whatever. No, it's to get you to see these things get hype, typing me up. So it is working. But overall, because of those transition issues, because of the I, I'm gonna go with a six out of ten. Still like it. It's just a down issue, but it is setting up a lot, and hopefully it pays off uh, with the next deal. And the next deal they even have at the end, it is the giant size Amazing Spider-Man Chameleon Conspiracy number one. I can't talk now. It's getting late, actually. I mean, it's really getting late, but we'll keep trugging on. Trugging on is what we do. Uh, uh, Look at me. I'm driving my truck. I got the big the big rig truck here, right? Is is that what you do? Tweet, tweet. Uh, but we're going to go off now to the next book on the docket, and it's the event book, and it's Hero's Return. And I'm trying to remain positive for the Spider-Man stuff, but, boy, this Hero's Reborn has been one of the most non-issue events I've ever read, not just at Marvel, everywhere. You keep waiting for something to happen that's going to put the light bulb over your head to say, oh, my God, that's what Jason Aaron was doing. Oh, my God, that's why they let Jason Aaron do what he's doing. Oh, my God. That, it, like every step of the way, and we're, we're done. We're done this week. And when you read it, in my mind, I just I was so puzzled as to not just what this issue uh, you know, meant. I mean, it, it meant whatever. It didn't do much. But I'm puzzled that this was ever green lit to be a, a an event. There's nothing here. This could have been again. It was like the age of Conchu, but at least that was just a couple issues. And this could have been a five issue part of the Avengers book. You don't need the tie-ins. Work that into some things. Work some of that stuff in. You know, Jason Aaron. I'm told is such a great writer. I came on with Fresh Start, and boy, he's MIA. I have not seen anything that has impressed me. I've liked some issues. I've liked some things that he's done. But that's not the level that I was told he was coming in. That The praise that he got. I read the Jane Foster Thor stuff, and, and some people didn't like I I liked that. I liked it a lot. That Jason Aaron... He has not shown up here at all, especially with anything to do with the Avengers. And this event, it, it's just a bunch, a pile of nothingness, nothing where when you end, you will forget this. For the most part, some people are like, oh, why are you talking about me? I like this and I'm going to read it 17 times. There, there's going to be people who like everything. You know, a book is for everyone and everyone's for a book, whatever you, you're going to play. But if you are like me, and I'm suspecting that a lot of people are, that when you turn that last page for that Heroes Reborn return that we're going to go into, it's done. You will never even think about it. The only way it's going to come up is they're like, hey, you know, any events that you know that really did nothing, like they were there just to take up space for no reason, this one's going to come up. And I remember, I mean, just the idea that you call it that Heroes Reborn, that does have negative connotations going into it from the past time it was used. And Jason Aaron going on interviews. I saw him on YouTube stuff saying, please don't think of that. This is this is better. Is it, is it now? Uh, it wasn't as – I, I don't even know. I can't – because one of the worst things that you could do with a book is to make it something that nobody cares about. I mean, even stuff that 
people get angry but at least it's getting an emotion out of some people this is like just it's like the book that's on zoloft it just has nothing no emotion just going through the paces but we're going to get into that right now and this is heroes return number one the man who rebooted the world written by jason aaron right yeah Also, pencils by Ed McGinnis, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by VCs Corey Petit. Here is the write-up recap. Yeah. Using the power of the pandemonium cube, a mystical artifact, Phil Coulson and Mephisto remade reality to create a world in which Mephisto is worshipped as a god, which we barely saw. We saw him on money, and we saw him on what was the new Lincoln Memorial that was the Nick Fury Memorial, but never saw what that really meant or what that entailed. Colson is president of the United States. Barely saw him, mainly saw him last issue. It's too long to know. And the Avengers never existed. Okay. We saw that because we saw the squadron. Instead, the squadron supreme of America are and have always been Earth's mightiest heroes. Blade remembered the world as it once was and gathered a team of former Avengers, including Captain America, Phoenix, Black Panther, Thor, and their former ward, a child empowered by the Cosmic Star brand. Together, they have set out to restore reality. The squadron, suspicious about the nature of their world after a series of recent battles, tracked the Avengers to Wakanda, where the two teams are now poised for a final battle. And this is a what-if type deal, but it's also an alt-history. You are going back and saying, what if there weren't Avengers? This is as if you said, what if the Nazis won World War II? What if the Civil War ended up a draw? What if all these things? There's a lot of these things. This is speculative fiction that is very, very popular. The, The best form of that, though, is showing that you took the time and effort and know enough about I mean, this being a fictional universe, so I think it might be easier. But if you're even doing it about real life events and doing that, the world that exists because of that change, that's very, very important to the entire. But it's it's important to let the reader know that the writer has done some legwork, knows about this. I could make up a story about, hey, if if the Nazis won World War Two, we'd have you know, McFuhrer instead of McDonald's. Like, that's not enough. That's goofy stuff that I would come up with because I don't know history. I don't know, okay, that would mean this happened, but that would never have happened. That means this, this, and this. And when you get to, obviously, I don't know. The further you get away from that point, it's going to be either harder or you can play a little loosey-goosey. But I would hope that it'd be harder because of the idea that things have to make sense. You can even play up little games in your mind. I'm a big sports fan, right? So you can make up the game in your mind of what if Michael Jordan was picked first and not, you know, third by these are fun things to do. But when you do it, you have to know about that. And, and this story is so a nothing story that you never can play along. You never have an emotion of, we have to get the Avengers back. That That is the biggest thing in my mind. Even by the end, when we do end up resetting everything and the Avengers are sitting around together, you don't even have that look of maybe Cap remembers and he remembers that they needed to change this because Tony ended up dying. You needed to do this because, you know, you end up having uh, She-Hulk was a drunk. I, I don't know, but there was never even feels of, you know, oh man, thank God we got that done. And through this issue, which I'm not going to go 
page for page here. But through this issue, Jason Aaron is still playing the idea that he's more concerned of a wink-wink deal. When you go to Wakanda and you end up having vibranium as pretty much Hyperion's uh, kryptonite, yeah, we get this. We get this. And and also, I, I kept thinking as I'm going through this, we went through all those one-shots to show, and I say one-shots, but the main book, the main Heroes Reborn book was each issue another member of the Squadron Supreme. So let's see what the deal is. What did we learn from any of those issues that actually played out in a clever way here? What, what did we do in those issues that made you think reading this final issue that those were necessary and were giving you information that you needed. What they were doing is wasting space and not allowing the idea of Blade going to gather up the team here. to get Because even at this point, them just yelling Avengers Assemble at the end of last issue and then going into here, that wasn't earned in this. You're playing so much on just the generic, hey, it's the Avengers. Avengers Assemble. You're also playing generic with the villains here. Because the real villain is Coulson in the story. I mean, Mephisto's there to give him the pandemonium cube, but it is Coulson who is going around and he's trying to make sure that his changes stick. He's going to change this back again or whatnot. Mephisto is the overall deal. And by the end, you see this is only more of that setup where Jason Aaron had in the Age of Conchu, all these things of hey, we're going to get the 615 Mephistos and we're really going to do some stuff and now we have the pandemonium. Like all that, that's the setup for the rest of the adventures. And you could get mad about that too, of saying the real important thing wasn't this event. It's just to see that they've all gathered. You're just setting up this stuff. But Colson, at one point in this says, I did this for the all-American way and I did this for order. And the American way order, What we never saw this. We never saw the idea of, I keep saying it, but what it, does the rest of the world, are, are we taking over the world? And I say we as the U.S., I'm in the U.S. I know that not everybody, uh, you know, listening to this is, so I shouldn't really say it like that. But the idea, you know, is Mephisto ruling, or I, I'm sorry, Colson ruling with an iron fist that everybody else hates, but they can't do anything. Has he reset this universe 17 times in the past three days because little things go wrong? Now, that would have been kind of a funny deal where you see him going. It's a little Rick and Morty deal, uh, you know, almost like the Morty's mind benders type deal where somebody laughed at him because he walked out of the bathroom and he had toilet paper on his shoe and he just resets things again. Like we, we don't get anything, though. We don't know how the world thinks of Coulson being the president. We don't even know that he's really doing bad things. What you're doing is relying on the idea of bad Coulson, Coulson bad. He's always bad, so he must be bad. So he is the villain. Even in this, you have to wait until what is the epilogue of this issue to find out what I said all along, that the Squadron Supreme knew nothing about this, and they were just doing what they do. They're not to blame. They weren't the villains. They never played out as the villains, but they also didn't play out as the heroes that realize they're being duped and fight back. They have, well, they were nothing. All they were were there as the surface level. Hey, look, the Justice League in the Marvel Universe. So what I think at the end of a story like this, you have to have a purpose. You have to have a reason you're telling this. And in my mind, if you're telling about a world without the Avengers, at least show us that. 
the Avengers are like even go with the idea that you're Jason Aaron. You hear people like, oh, they're not really enjoying my Avengers run, but I want to show them how good the Avengers are the backdoor way. I'm going to show them that, hey, you don't like the Avengers? This is what you'd get without them. Hey, you guys who say that the Justice League is better than the Avengers, now I'm going to, like, that's even bigger. Now I'm going to show you what the Justice League would be like if they were in a universe that the Avengers had always been Earth's Mightiest Heroes. You know, they wouldn't be able to handle it. They do. And and the weird thing is, is when Coulson ends up saying, you know, I just wanted order. I wanted my world. I wanted it different. This is the best thing. Then why in the hell, up until this point, did Jason Aaron pretty much show us that everything happened the same way it did with the Avengers, but just that it was the Squadron Supreme? You still had a civil war. You still had a secret wars. We haven't seen. We don't know what they're doing for the government or whatnot with that. So that's all we're getting. So basically, you're telling me that Coulson created a world. As if he needed to do this, whatnot, and everything else, it, it all happened the same way. That isn't a good way to tell a story. And so now we get just a fight. We just get a fight where we're going to see that Black Panther, he kicks ass. Well, I kind of know that. We're going to see, like, where is this deal where Tony Stark, who comes out of nowhere to help, and, and he remembers and somehow get like, there's nothing. And even get like you know, the baby star brand who's grown up a bit, uh, just came out of nowhere. We didn't even see the recruit of that. You ended up seeing, oh, a rocket ended up getting hurt and then she was heading towards Earth, but nothing else from that. Everybody's gung ho into this. You end up having Hyperion, you know, kind of yelling at Nighthawk, but also saying, hey, we're in it together. All that sort of thing going on as Colson has a flying car that is going to crash while he has the pandemonium cube and is going to be able to reset everything. They're yelling, don't let him use the cube, don't let him use the cube. And then it seems like Mephisto just goes, whoop, and runs away with it. He runs away and goes to hell with it. And then everything resets. We don't actually even see really how the reset happened, except for the cube got taken out of Coulson's hands. That was it. And the Avengers seemingly wake up the next morning in Avengers Mountain and end up talking, why is the star brand baby now grown up to be the star brand kid? And then I'm thinking that this whole thing, all its purpose was is, well, he can't do much with a star brand baby. But if the star brand baby was, say, six, that'd be fun because it'd be a little brat running around. Like, really? These are the payoffs to reading all these things? Is that you end up having the Avengers and they're, they're all standing together. Oh, wasn't that crazy? I mean, well, that was pretty wacky, wasn't it? And you end up having uh, the rest of the squadron. We see what happens. Nobody knows who Blur is. You have the rest except Hyperion and Nighthawk. They seem to be in jail and padded cells. Everybody thinks they're crazy, whatnot. Hyperion comes by to the Daily Bugle and is looking for a friend, but only sees Spider-Man. Spider-Man say, hey, what's up, dude? And then he goes off to go talk to Nighthawk. And then they basically say, hey, they think that the Squadron Supreme is down and out. Well, I'll tell you, we're up and in, baby. We're going to do this again, right? Oh, my God. Everybody loves us so much. We're going to fight back. I, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see them, even if it's not, you know, nonsense what if stuff. But in the regular, no, I, I don't need the Squadron Supreme anymore. I mean, I got one shot. That told me all about them and not one of those interested me at all about these characters. Uh, some of them maybe maybe hate them. 
And I thought that the play, again, was that Jason Aaron was playing a little, you know, tongue-in-cheek deal of, hey, you, you guys like the Just League better. Well, look what happens if they had to actually do the job of the Avengers. But you never got that. This wasn't clever. Uh, some people think it was fun. I didn't think it was. You know, a couple of those tie-ins, maybe I'm talking the main book. Not that fun. You ended up having the most asinine idea ever is, hey, the main story will regulate to just, uh, you know, three pages an issue, five pages at the most. You know, nobody needs story. What we need is a made-up, you know, alt version of characters that will give origins and little stories that really, and I, I could just imagine the pitch meeting. Hey, uh, uh, you guys like story? Yeah, I'm not going to give you that. Y- you guys like, like, important character development that'll play? Yeah, no, no, no. You don't know what you're doing. We're not going to get that either. You know what you're going to get? A lot of references to DC characters, but also Marvel events. Who wants that? Come on, guys. Where's my crickets? Hey, I'm going to do it anyway. And the art looked great in this. But overall, this event was a complete and utter bunch of nonsense. It it was nothing. It's like the invisible event. It's just going to disappear. <laughs> You're just, I just don't think anybody's going to be wondering or thinking about this come August. You know, come the next year, next summer. Like, oh, man, what were those events, the big events we had last year? Well, we ended up having that King in Black. We had Extreme Carnage. We had this, that. Now, hey, wh- what about that Heroes Reborn? Yeah, yeah, that wasn't really an event. That was just kind of a contained one of story. I really think that this, as people talk about it, will lessen and lessen in their description of it. And really get to the bottom level of, yeah, it was kind of bull crap. It kind of was nothing. This, again, I'll repeat it one more time. You know, I'm repeating a lot because when I get angry about this, it it perplexes me that anybody would end up letting this go. I mean, Jason Aaron, he should have come up with a better story. Maybe it sounded better and the whole, you know, actually putting it on page didn't work out. But still, Tom Brevoort, what what are you doing? What are you allowing to happen here? Is it that Jason Aaron is allowed to do whatever the hell he wants? Because this was complete and utter bullcrap, and there was no reason for it to be an event. I thought that it was good that it was 18 issues. This couldn't. This was too much at eight. This should have been a five-issue arc in the Avengers book. Done. Done and done. And then it could have been like, oh, that was kind of cool. Whatever. But to make it this long a time, and I mean, just complete nonsense because of this, this just gets a straight up five. I thought it was ridiculous. I thought that there was really by the end, you're really almost laughing at everybody who bought and read this. Like, hey, you thought that this was going to (laughs) matter? What are you idiots? What are you doing? I I swear the book is pointing and laughing at me right now because I actually thought this was going to be cool and might give you an idea of like in. I don't know what Jason Aaron thinks of the Avengers because the guy doesn't even want to write him in the regular run. So I thought that this was by taking him out was going to show you what he really thought, what he thought, how great they were and what they would do, what not. No, this was a surface level bunch of bullcrap to just make people buy issues. That meant nothing. They should apologize to everybody who bought this right now because of this nonsense. But that's that, 510. And that's mostly art, you know. And, yeah, see, I I don't usually like to get angry like that. But, you know, that's what happens. So I'm going to go off right now, though, because that next book and last book of the night is actually one that I had caught up with and was looking forward to. And that is Silk Number 4. All right. And this is Silk Number 4. 
And I, I read this and I had to look and I think this is a five issue mini. So I look it up and that's what it says. It doesn't feel like Moringo is at any sort of pace that she's worried that she can finish the story or not. That it's like she is as cool as a cucumber telling this story where we get a whole issue that really doesn't have anything to do with Cindy and is pure out an issue about Seiya Ishii, the villain. Now, it ends up trying to make Seiya Ishii the sympathetic character. Oh, my God, Silvermane, what a jerk father. But he never really plays up these. Now, he's telling the story. It may be one of those, you know, can't trust the narrator here, you know. But he is telling the story pretty much what seems to be straight up. And he's kind of a jerk. But also, say she's a jerk, his daughter. And never at one point I'm like, oh, man, I hope that she becomes friends. I kind of thought you were going to get that anyway once you saw she had these meta powers. But I, I don't I don't know anything about her, even with this issue that's fully devoted to her, because this is more of through the lens of Silvermane just to say, yep, that's my daughter. I was knocking boots in Japan. Didn't really pay attention to her until she graduated. She was an intern and she pretty much turns out to be the best or worst, you know, of both of the parents, you know, her mom and Silvermane. This is all the idea. I mean, you realize here when we know that say she's going to take over as CEO of Fujinets because that's what her mom runs. Pretty smart cookie herself really was intriguing to Silvermane back in the day and was able then to make his implants and upgrades. Well, you have it so that Silvermane's telling this to Cindy. Cindy's confused of why she's telling this, but we also get this, you know, back and forth. And it's kind of a neat layout at points where on the left side of the comic, you're getting these flashbacks, what happened in the past, how, you know, and then in the right side, it's what's going on in the present. And in the present, Saya is off trying to figure out and stop the demon cat Keisha from resurrecting demons that never goes anywhere. Now, we may continue that kind of thread, but what ends up happening is pretty much the, you know, showdown or stare down at one point between Seishi and this Keisha, the demon cat. But with that, it's just like, I put you on the payroll, demon cat. Yeah, well, I don't listen to you, little girl. Oh, come on. you Come on back. Just do your things. This is way above your pay grade. You're not the one to tell me what my pay grade is. Like, that's all it is. It's just kind of nonsense. But what it tries to do and what Maureen Goo is trying to do that, say, on the left side in the flashback, it's like she didn't get along with others growing up. And now in the now, she's like, I'm not getting along with the others. And I want to fight them. It really plays out an odd issue, especially where, like, where's Silk? I see Cindy. She's doing an interview. I need some Silk. Not just Silk is used in this issue 100% just to get a quick way home. That is all she's involved with. It's mostly Cindy. And, and you could say, well, Cindy, you know, analog, she's good at the interviews and things like that. But this isn't even a great interview. It's just a story to set up a background to make a villain a sympathetic character. But why? You had this, you know, say she bad to the bone. She figured out, you know, Cindy is silk and ended up using it as a way to pretty much say, stay away from me or everybody's going to get hurt. I know who your friends and family are. 
put their names right out there on Front Street. I know what's going on. Only to have Silvermane this issue come in and say, stay away from my daughter. Well, well, that's been established. And I think that maybe you could play that idea of, oh, Dad, I had it all worked out. And then you put your stinking nose into it with your stupid robotics and things. But I don't know because we only have one issue. And I want to think that we're going to get more Cindy and Silk here. But by the end, it does look like we're going to get a Seiya Ishii team up with Silk. and don't know that I need that. I don't know that you set up a villain for, you know, four issues in a five-issue mini to only have the last bit of a cliffhanger, her going to Cindy. I need your help. I mean, shouldn't that have been like the end of issue two? Get this ball rolling. Get the thing. If this is what you're so concerned with, to get this combo, and maybe you end up having Seishi, you know, like Cindy, and you can go full out that she wasn't really doing anything bad. She was, though, and you can't just wipe her hands clean because it was a demon cat killing these gangsters. This was under her orders. And so I don't get the ploy here. But as I say all that, I realize that I don't think I gave the credits, which I will. It's written by Marine Goo, art by, maybe I did, <laughs> Takeshi Maezawa, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. I think that I was going to go to... The recap, but there you go, you're reminded The cat demon Keisha is Killing gangsters and queens Home, and um, Just think of that It doesn't say the cat demon Keisha Is killing gangsters and queens Under the order of Seishi, you're trying to Distance her a bit from that It looks like, but we'll see By day, Silk is a civilian reporter Cindy Moon, and she's been covering The murders for the new site Threats and Menaces, so you have these murders that would be go, oh, these grizzly murders. I think it might be the werewolves, right? Oh, my goodness gracious. And you didn't really do much with that because then we just found out, no, no, no. It was just the demon cat, Keisha, that's hanging out with Saishi. You don't even get that much of a connection with that. In this issue, you have say, hey, you're on the payroll. That's about as much as you're going to get with that background. But before Cindy could get any answers out of Saya during the interview, Saya turned the tables by revealing that she knows Cindy is actually Silk. Cindy beat a hasty retreat, but later received a note from an anonymous informant requesting a meeting. When Cindy arrived at the rendezvous point, she discovered that the note sender was a notorious fighter foe Silvermane, who also turns out to be Saya's father. Meanwhile, thanks to Cindy, Saya had begun to suspect foul play from her partner in crime, Keisha. She tracked the cat demon to a cave where she found Keisha in the middle of resurrecting a demon god again i'm sure that somewhat that'll play out next issue but here the whole idea of demon god whatever just disappears where you're just gonna have trash talking and kind of give what is a spotlight on saya ishii's power so you can see what she does but really i'm like well she's kind of a meta but she's got the tech it combined she's shooting arrows i don't know but yeah you get this background then because cindy is hey i'm gonna interview you What's up with this girl? Well, I went to Japan one time for a business meeting, and I mixed business with pleasure, if you know what I'm saying. I was knocking boots, baby. And you end up where, all right. Then he went to the U.S., back home, and we get to see, through Silvermane's narration, she was a, a whippersnapper, that young girl was. And then you see her playing soccer. She always wanted to do good, but like the nerdy stuff, she liked the tech, like her mom. 
uh, but kind of like me, but more like her mom, because her mom's smart and Fujinet, and just goes in with this whole deal to not really give you anything. We know that Saya thinks that Silvermane's dead. She was at his funeral. You would think that from those things, but you know, you really do get at least the sense of pride from Silvermane. But all of this is to then say, don't write any bad stories about her and stick to whatever you know away from her. But Say had already done that last issue in a very meaningful way, a very much over-the-top way of a villain knowing a secret identity and threatening friends and family. That's huge. But then you kind of just kind of, hey, let's kind of go through that again with Silvermane, who at the end where even Cindy's like, why are you telling me all this? Well, what is this? What is your MO here? What's your reason to do this? Well, you stay away from him. By the way, get her, boys. And it's like breaking fingers. We're going to break your fingers. Now, you're threatening her not. Don't write the story. Why are you going to that? That's the next level when you have somebody spying and see that she is doing the story. I mean, you want to get to that before the deal. But if she is so, you know, intent of writing the story, you break her fingers. She may actually have more. You know, inspiration to do it still Because if you're going to get threatened by Silvermane And still do it I mean, you're you're pretty much going to put your life on the line So cracking, breaking fingers I don't think really has that effect But Cindy fights back No way, you're not going to do that to me And then fights back, gets out of there In the meantime, you do also see Saya is fighting the demon Kakesha about you're you know going beyond your pay grade. You're doing this. I'm gonna put you down, Kitty, and then runs away. So when you are done with the, all the stuff, and when this interview is done, and Cindy is able to escape with fingers intact, she is very worried that her brother is in danger because of you know you're kind of doing this stuff because you're stuck now. In the meantime. You're thinking that your brother may be getting attacked because that was spelled out by Saya. So she goes to see, you know, Saya there, I'm going to get her, whatever. And she's not, but she is. She's not there to hurt anybody. She's there because she needs the help of Silk. She needs Silk to help pretty much, in my mind, fight off that demon god and also Keisha. So, and you even have on the next thing, issue five, enter the demon god. I'm like, I don't get this book. It's like a ping pong effect. One issue, you're there full out murders, right? And then, oh, I, you know, I'm, I want some Cindy or I want some. And then the next issue, you will get the opposite. But then the third issue, the last issue I read on the catch up, it did have a nice combination and a nice pacing. And you found out big things. Oh my God, the say it, Ishii knows Cindy's identity, knows that she is silk. That's huge. Then you go to this and it's like, hey, why don't we spin a yarn about say it, Ishii? You don't need much more unless you're thinking that she can continue on as a somewhat non-villain, but she was involved in all this murder. So all this, the art's okay. But overall, I'm, I'm a 6 out of 10, and I want more because I do really like Silk, and I really did like that last issue a lot more than this one. And we got one more, and we'll see what's going on. But I think that this is another one. You know, Heroes Reborn is a bit different than this, right? There's a little more stakes there, but I still end up thinking that a lot of these books just disappear and nobody cares or remembers them. And this feels like that now. And it could have been something so much better, especially for Silk fans. But yeah, six out of 10, but that is it. That is the end of the podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. Go over to our Twitter at 
uh, WS Marvel Comics it is. You follow us, we'll follow you back 100%. Then we can talk about things. You can tell me what you thought of Heroes Reborn or Silk and all that. Also, head over to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. But please check out at least our Patreon. You don't, you can go check it out without doing anything. I just, I, I stress that we try to do a lot of good stuff there. And I think that it's one of those that you have to either go and check out the amounts or actually join in and listen for a little to see. But that is at Weird Science Patreon. Dot com. It is now 4 a.m. I'm exhausted. I actually can't keep my eyes open. So I hope that that silk book ended up being at least, you know, you could follow what I'm saying a little because, boy, I am. I'm out of it. I am so tired. But thanks for listening. Really, I really do appreciate it. Please, if you do like the show, rate and review it anywhere that you listen to this here thing that helps everything out. But, yeah, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I'll be back. On the weekend, Sunday night, with I believe Darth Vader uh, is the issue in the next deal of the War of the Bounty Hunters. Me and my man Matt will be back talking about that. So thanks, and I'll talk to you later. Hey, I'm back. I actually forgot to mention the books that we would probably be dealing with next week. A bunch of books, but remember, as I said at the beginning of the show, next week's shows, the regular comic show, and the Star Wars show will be Patreon only. And the way you can listen to it is go and join up to the Patreon. If you do wait until, say, July 1st, you won't be charged until August 1st if you end up sticking with it. That's just a little tip. But here's what we will be talking about. Amazing Spider-Man Chameleon Conspiracy number 1. Avengers Mech Strike number 4, possibly. Maybe not, but Beta Ray Bill number four, definitely Black Cat Annual number one, Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade number four, Black Widow number eight, Daredevil number 31, Shang-Chi number two, and the Marvels number three, and then probably the United States of Captain America number one. I, I didn't see that at the bottom, but a lot of books, a lot of books there. Now, I will, like I said earlier as well, put the catch-up show on the regular feed. So you will be able to listen to that. And on that, I will be talking about Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade number three, Black Widow number seven, and then also the Marvels number two. So I'll be catching up with three books on that. That'll be on the regular feed. And when that comes around, I'll remind you again of the regular podcast and the stuff on the Patreon. But I hope you enjoyed the show, like I said before. And I will talk to you soon.